would like our listeners to think back to a time where they smelled something very unpleasant. Have you got a smell in mind? Now, thinking about that item, food, place, or situation, does that odor bring back a positive memory? Does it give you a positive impression of that food, that place, that product, or that situation? For most of you, my guess is that it does not. The human sense of smell is the one sense that is most strongly tied to our memory. If you smell something bad, it is unlikely you'll forget it. This can also work for things that smell pleasant. But as with most things, you're far more likely to recall the negative smell than the positive one. This is one of the many challenges that absorbent hygiene producers face with their products. Ideally, the end user would have a positive impression of that product due to its odor. Or at a minimum, you'd want their impression to be neutral and not negative. However, due to the number of materials going into a product, the heat directed at some of those materials, and the stress that products can undergo during travel, a lot of things can change the odor of your products before they get to your end consumer. This is even more of a challenge when you realize that what is considered an unpleasant smell in one region can be considered a neutral or even pleasant smell in another. With all of these challenges that article producers are facing, it's no wonder so much time goes into making sure the odor of their products isn't perceived poorly. Luckily, Bostic is here to help. Welcome to Attached to Hygiene. I'm your host, Jack Hughes. On every episode of Attached to Hygiene, Bostic and other industry experts provide valuable insight into market and consumer trends in the disposable hygiene industry and how article producers can increase their success and reach their business goals. On today's episode, we're going to introduce you to the topic of odor in disposable hygiene, what it means, how it impacts perceptions, what producers are doing to eliminate or mask odors, and how odor experts like Bostic can help you test and recognize the odors in your products. Joining me today to discuss the topic of odor in disposable hygiene is Lorianne Liberlesso. Lorianne, welcome to the podcast. Can you please introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about your role at Bostic, and tell us what you find most interesting about working in the disposable hygiene industry? Hello. Uh, oh, a lot of questions. Easy one is uh, to introduce myself. So I'm working with uh, within Bostic uh, since uh, four years now. Um, I'm working in a position of a PD chemist, uh, so R&D engineer, uh, simply said. And um, so I work in adhesive world since four years. And before that, I used to work for household product and cosmetics product, also as an R&D engineer. So what is the most interesting about working in the disposable hygiene industry? I would say as um, the relationship, uh, I, I like the relationship between the material and the chemistry, the physical properties of a material, in our case here, an adhesive, and um, its behavior on the product that the consumer will wear. I don't know if it's very clear, but I like the, the link between the very small of a material and a concrete reaction and concrete behavior of a product on a, on a market. And this is what is chemistry and what is, I find very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. That that makes sense. And uh, yeah, something I guess me being a little less ex experienced with the chemistry of 
uh, well, I guess chemistry overall, science wasn't my strongest subject in, in school, but <laughs> I think it's, it's, it makes sense that you as someone with a, a science and chemistry background would, would find that relationship so interesting and really appreciate the, the larger impact that our products have on, you know, normal everyday products that, that consumers use. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So to start, you know, we're here to talk about odor today, as I mentioned, and I think it would be good to to touch base on the consumer needs in the market. Can you tell us a little bit about those? So our market, it's divided in three main markets, I would say. There is um, uh, baby care products, so diapers, baby diapers, also femme care products, so uh, napkin, and also um, adult incontinence product. And for all of this, you know, we use that because we need some absorption of uh, body fluids. So this is the first objective of such a of the product. But there are a lot of other needs uh, related to, to these products. For example, convenience, you want to be at ease with the shape, you, you want to be comfortable, etc. Consistency, when you buy a product, you want uh, the product always to deliver the, the same promises. Also cost, because we know it's there is a cost for, for this product. And for all of these features that are very important for the product, adhesive is important. It's not what the consumer will see or will know, but we know that um, it will help. The adhesive will help for, um, for all these features. Yeah, I think that's a, a great way to break it down. And as you know, we've done it several episodes on the different what we call the five C's, the the different consumer trends in the in the industry and in the market, convenience, comfort, confidence, consistency, cost. And so if anyone wants to learn more about those, check out our early episodes and we do a deep dive into each one of those. Great. <laughs> <laughs> now, so then why is odor a concern in the market and how does how does it impact some of those different C's that we talk about? I would say odor is a concern in all market because we are all influenced by odor. Odor is a sense that uh, linked to, to, to one of our scents and it's linked to emotion. So odor is always linked to emotional. And so even if our, in, in our market, odor is very important because the product we are speaking about are linked to the intimacy and something quite private. And for baby diaper, it's perhaps it's a bit different, but for, for example, for adult incontinence uh, product or femcare product, we don't want other people to know that we are wearing the product. So we don't have the product to have a, a smell just because we don't want uh, that people around us knows about, about that. For baby care, it's a bit different because we know that there are odor when it's used and we know with that that the baby is uh, in good uh, health. <laughs> so it's a very uh, normal way to, to use uh, the product. But when we put a diaper on, on a baby, we don't want the diaper to have any odor. So the odor is very linked and very uh, connected with, um, with all these products. That's a great point. And, and I think, you know, what you touched on there is really that it's about people being confident in the product, you know, and not just not just in the that the product's going to work, or that the product's going to protect their confidence and make sure that no, no in use smells or odors are, are able to be detected, but also really before and after use being able to be confident that the product is safe, and there's no 
chemicals or anything in it, but also that the product can be disposed of conveniently, easily, discreetly uh, in a way that people won't notice an odor or a smell. And so it's really about covering those that before, during and after use and making sure people have the confidence and, and comfort level of knowing that they are using it discreetly as possible, particularly in, as you mentioned, adult and femme care. Yeah, and you're right. It's a it's a matter of confidence, and the odor, uh, as it links to emotions, it's linked also to to confidence. You can win or lose confidence with uh, with the odor, and even if you if you don't know it, it's something that your brain make it by its own. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually was listening to a different podcast earlier this week, and it mentioned the the strong emotional attachment that our brains have to odor. And we, we may touch on this a little later as we dive deeper into the science of odor, but it is really amazing how big of an impact or how much we remember certain odors or smells and how that has an emotional impact on our on our memories and on our mindset. So it's, uh, it's certainly not something to be overlooked. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. So Bostic itself has been covering odor and talking about odor for a long time now, since I think before both of us were at, at Bostic in the last four to five years. Why is it such a hot topic today? Huh, good question. Um, I think the, for, for, for adult incontinence, I, I will begin with, with that. People today are living longer. We, we know that. So it means that the incontinence is being a, a more important topic because even more people are concerned with it. And we know that for the order for adult incontinence, it's very a key because uh, more particularly for people using this kind of, uh, of product, they really don't want uh, their family, friends exactly know about it. So these people living longer want to have still a normal active life as normal as possible and so the, the absence of odor is a need for this product and so uh, why odor is important today is also because you speak about that just earlier saying that odor is linked in our brain to the presence of chemicals and we know that um, today there is a kind of chemophobia in in our lives and so the odor can be linked to the presence of chemicals and can be associated to something bad which is not always the case so uh, to decrease the odor can improve the product and the perception of our product on the market as with so many things, perception perception in our industry is incredibly important. It it doesn't yes, tends it not, yeah it tends not to matter so much what the reality is, but if the perception of of your product of your brand is is negative in any sort of way, that's that you know that's that's not good for you, and it can really impact your business and and your overall success in the marketplace. And it can take a while to overcome that. So being able to manage that perception from the start is is very important for brands and, and obviously something that that Bostic focuses a lot on to, to help our customers. So we've talked about the market. Now we will dive a little bit deeper into the, the science of odor and, and some of the different activities and initiatives going on in the industry as far as odor goes. So we'll start on, you know, on a very basic level, hopefully. What is odor? <laughs> what is odor? So odor is a combination of one or few or a lot of volatile chemical compounds. So an odor is some chemicals in the air, so volatile in the air, that come into our nose. And in our nose, we have some sensor. And 
the chemical will activate uh, our sensor that, that will create a stimulus and the stimulus will go to our brain and this, it will create the odor. And so with this, you, you perfectly understand that you and I and people listening to us have not exactly the same sensor, not the same stimulus, and not the same brain reaction. So that, that explains the definition of odor, uh, explains also why it's so different from people to, to other. So odor is um, very linked to one of our sense, of our five senses. Absolutely. And I think, yeah, the big thing there is, is you know, we, we just talked about perception in the market, but also just how we perceive odors is, is really interesting. And so and different uh, differs so much from individual to individual, which which just adds to the complexity and the challenge of of managing and, and trying to prevent or mask odors. And I know we'll we'll dive into that a little bit here in a minute. Mm -hmm. Now, Odor, as we mentioned, it doesn't just come from what is being absorbed in the articles, you know, be, you know, during and after use, but it, it can come from the different materials that make up a product and, and can happen before you even use a product. So where do these odors come from in a hygiene article before use? Odors come, can come from everywhere. We are always in an environment where there are odors. Even if you think there is no odor, there is something, a, a kind of background of odor. In our article, so we are speaking before use, just the article uh, as you, as you wrote, it can come, so the odor can have different sources, uh, raw materials, so materials used for the, um, the production of, of a diaper, for example, or napkin, etc. So the materials can have an odor, the raw material used. Also, the way you manufacture the, the product and the bags, the packaging you have, etc. All of this can can bring a part of the global order of the product. Yeah, and the, the one thing that that's really been hammered into my head working at Bostic is it seems that there's, a, again, the word perception in the market that when there's an odor or a, a you know, a, I guess we'll call it a foul odor in the in the article article before use, sometimes or a lot of the times adhesives are the one that get blamed for that. And, you know, what we've I'm sure what you've discovered, what we've discovered through all the testing that we do and supporting of our customers with odor issues is that's not always the case and not usually it's not the case. And so, yeah, we're certainly invested in, you know, helping find out the source of the odor as we are often the ones being blamed for the odor uh, most of the time incorrectly. Yeah, it's true. Um, adhesive can be a part of the odor, but uh, it's not all. So, so the sources can be very uh, different and very large in, a, in such products. Yeah, yeah, it's clear through through what you said that there are so many so many factors going into it, you know, outside of individual perceptions, just all the different variables that happen from gathering all the raw materials into producing them and and finally, you know, being able to distribute and ship them and get them into stores. There there's so many variables there to to be able to blame one specific item for the odor is is difficult so very important and we'll, we'll talk up about testing here in a little bit but very important to kind of eliminate all those variables to really get down to the source of any odor now we talked about the perception of odor and 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 how it differs from person to person but it it can also differ from region to region isn't that correct 
Yeah, exactly. As uh, I said it, the smell is linked to emotion and you can easily imagine that it's link, linked also to, to your culture. The environment uh, where you, you grew up as a child, it has, it has an impact, uh, it can influence you. So as I said, the sensor and the stimulus is different person per person. But uh, sometimes when we grow in an environment, when we live in an environment, we are used uh, so kind of educated to some odors. For example, when you were a child and you have some candies, depending on, on, on the country where you live, the candies are different and the smell of the candies can be different. And so it educates your brain to associate some smell to a positive or negative memories and some other to um, positive or negative. So it means that depending on your culture, on your country, etc., you can have different uh, emotions and different perceptions of the same order. I would say um, you can find some example on the internet, etc. It has been uh, documented. I can give an example, uh, not very precise, but uh, sometimes um, some medicines are done with a, with a smell. And so if you use this medicine where you were young or even uh, adult, then you associate smells, taste and smell of the product to uh, something bad because you were ill. And then when you grew up, this smell is associated to, to pain or something like that. Another um, example that I, I would like to, to give is it's even in the same country, you, you have some smells that can say divide people. For example, coconut in the cosmetic. I used to work for cosmetic industry. Coconut, you have some people loving coconut smell on, on the skin and some other hating coconut uh, smell on the skin and I, I would say everybody has a, um, an opinion about that it's just a smell but for some people it's a very a good feeling on the skin and for others it's a fruit and it's, it's, it's really uh, doesn't like so even in a country you can have you can have uh, differences between country you can have differences and between cultures for sure you have differences in terms of memory and evocation and what you think uh, what it makes you feel when you smell uh, an odor <laughs> yeah, I love your example of coconut. It's one that I I personally love. You know, I love, I love, I love too. The, yeah, <laughs> I love the the taste and the smell of coconut. But I have friends who cannot stand it. And and obviously, you know, we're from from the same country, even from the same region of the United States, and it it just differs so much from individual to individual. So yeah, I love that example. <laughs> I, I used to work well with this when I, I worked in cosmetic industry because we had some coconut references and, and we were always divided. E even if the team, some people were, oh, why, why are we doing that? And so it's a perfect one. <laughs> so we were really <laughs> divided on this, uh, on this topic. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a great example. I love the example of medicine, too, because, yeah, especially here in the United States, we have a, a medicine that is uh, for, for children that is bubblegum flavored. And mm. obviously it's it's meant to to give, you know, for, to, to get kids to take the medicine very easily. But certainly if I taste bubblegum or smell bubblegum, my mind usually goes back to the, the memories of, of mm -hmm. you know, having having that medicine. And, and obviously they're positive because it didn't taste or smell bad.
Yeah, and it's so that when when uh, I went to to the US, there was um, a bubble gum. Uh, I was very very surprised because it was not a smell that we can find in Europe. Uh, in Europe, it's more a menthol or uh, eucalyptol. I would say the two uh, mint, uh, mint uh, menthol, eucalyptol is the three major flavor of uh, bubble gum. Of course, you can find other uh, flavors, but they are the main. And in the US, I I, I bought um, a bubble gum, and the smell was so strange. For for me, it was a kind of uh, of of bad medicine, something I, I didn't want to test, and I was thinking, oh, they can like it. <laughs> it was very very strange to me. Oh, I guess I never realized that bubblegum flavor is is unique to the United States. I, <laughs> I guess I just assumed that everyone everyone had that same bubblegum flavor. So that's that learned something new today. It's not the case. I can tell you, <laughs> I was very surprised. <laughs> well, moving on from perceptions we the one thing we did mention earlier is there's a lot for manufacturers to consider in solving the issue of odor for consumers can, can you touch on some of the solutions out there that they're that they're using to try and block or mask odors yeah i would say um you have different way to to change the odor of a product or to yeah to change a, a, another the odor of the product of course you can use perfume they are here for that. They have the function of uh, changing the odor. So this is the first we are thinking about when we when we speak about odor. We immediately uh, think about perfumes. Sometimes, in place of using perfume, you can use uh, what we call masking agent. So it's something that will cover the odor that is existing. So it will not remove it, but it will cover it so that you can't smell the odor anymore. Another kind of chemicals can absorb the odor, so you destroy the odor. It's not masking, it's destroying. So chemically speaking, it's not exactly the same. So uh, another absorbing chemicals will destroy uh, the odor. And um, you have also specific uh, scents or herbal extracts or this kind of things that will uh, give an odor, a bit like perfume, it will give an additional odor that will be more acceptable, for example, for, for us. So this is all uh, what you can do and also you can reduce some volatile when you reduce the volatile then as the odor is a volatile if you reduce the volatile you could also reduce the odor it's really interesting mentioning perfumes and masking agents and even some of the herbal extracts that you mentioned because even those can have a perception to them and what someone may like in a perfume smell whether it be floral or or another kind of what some might consider pleasant may not be so pleasant and so that's another thing that manufacturers have to be concerned with you know not just trying to eliminate the chemical smell but can the you know smell you're putting in there to mask or replace it is that going to have a negative perception for certain yeah. people and and one that i've i've also noticed or some some people have mentioned is in elder care facilities or retirement homes if people are using the similar or same products you end up having this perfume smell that is ever present in the environment and then that yeah. begins to be associated with those types of products which can then go from having a kind of positive connotation into a negative one because it's always being associated with an incontinence product yeah it's true very challenging yeah for sure are there any specific consumer trends or concerns that we need to consider when thinking about some of those solutions you just mentioned? What do manufacturers need to be concerned with on that side? 
Oh, difficult to answer. They have to answer it, <laughs> but of course we will help them. So today's trends that we can see, um, and I'm sure we you will agree about that, is um, to go to natural ingredients, so natural odor, natural ingredients to cover the odor, etc. So we we could accept some odor when it's natural or when the odor is not chemical. It's something we 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 could accept. What is important today, also in all product, not always, uh, not only. A disposable market is to use less chemicals and so for that adding a masking or uh, adding a masking ingredient or mask adding uh, absorbing chemicals etc this is a chemicals and uh, reducing uh, reducing the odor is linked to reducing the chemical so it's appreciated uh, by consumers so I think this is uh, what we, what we can do uh, and what we can see on on the trend so preference for natural and avoid unnecessary chemicals. Yeah, that's a really great point on the combination of unnecessary chemicals and and the natural products, because it's one thing I never thought about was the fact that that just having a perfume smell to your product could could come off negatively just because some consumers might think, oh, that's another chemical. That's another, you know, substance in this diaper that I'm going to use or this product I'm going to use and, and how that could have a, a very negative impact on the perception of your product is something that I didn't think about. Yeah, it is the case. Sometimes you you add something to change the perception, but at the end you add something. So you you uh, we always have in mind that we that we add a chemical. So and um, and the other chemical is still there. You don't smell it, but it's still there. So this is a, a trend to to make things even more simple. And simple yeah. is um, most of the case with uh, with less less ingredient, less manufacturing, less. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I won't steal your thunder. I'll let you dive into it. But obviously, Bostic has our own way to describe and explain the different types of odor. Would you mind diving into that? And then also touching, you know, do these do these different odors and categories smell the same to everybody? Yeah, it's difficult to speak about odor because as it's Link to emotional, to culture, to etc. We all have our own words to describe an odor. For example, you would say it smells, it's fruity, uh, it smells like flowers, it remember me as uh, this candy, or etc. So most of the time, when we speak, when people around us speak about odor, it with very personal words. And sometimes, if you speak with uh, someone and you have a common culture, you will uh, refer to. Um, a common element, for example, um, uh, it is coconut, as we, we spoke earlier. So you remember, it smells like a bit like coconut. And if you know that the person in front of you will have the same uh, reference and you regarding the coconut, then you can speak with that. So it's not easy. So to to make it easier to speak about odor by removing all the subjective part and all what is personal, we have a kind of um, lexic to describe odor the more objective as possible. So with this objective, we can describe the odor uh, with uh, some categories, what we call the sphere of odors. And you have, for example, sulfur odor, pyrogenated or terpenic or aromatic, uh, lactone, alkyl, amine, and these are more technical words to describe odor, but uh, this is a way that we all speak the same language. 
And this is important when you want to work on the order and to have an impact on order to be sure that you, so you use uh, the same language. And so uh, by being trained to this language, you associate some typical odor to uh, the world. For example, terpenic. This is the smell of uh, pine and a, a lot of category around pine but pine is one of the terpenic smell. And pine is one molecule and you can smell it and know that this is terpenic and associate a word terpenic to the smell and to the molecule that is well-defined. And so with this, you can establish a language that can be universal and globally used to, to speak about odor. So to have to be sure that all over the world, within Bostik and outside Bostik, we have the same uh, wording about describing the order. We were trained by an external uh, expert called Osmond. This uh, small company made a definition and an organization of wording uh, regarding order, and we have been trained according to to this method. And this is a method we we still use to to describe order and to be very objective when we describe it. Yeah, yeah. I came to Bostic, I think, shortly after we, we started developing the odor sphere, and it was really interesting to learn more about it because, like you said, when when you when you categorize odors in a way, it makes it really easy to associate different categories to a specific smell. You mentioned the terpene smell, which I think most people have a reference for pyrogenic, which people definitely have a reference for, but there's there's a ton of different categories and and there's I think everyone has a reference point for them. And it makes it really easy to kind of understand how those all interact. And I guess I'll say I'll plug ourselves. You know, we we do have a lot of information on our website about the odor sphere. We also have a couple of videos which we'll share in the show notes for this episode. So if you're looking to learn more about the odor sphere, please check those out or also let us know. We we do have some trainings around odor as well that we can help with. We touched on this a little already, but you know, we'll we'll relate it back to the odor sphere as well as perceptions. Can you touch on bad odors and and are bad odors really bad for everybody? I think there is not. <laughs> if an odor is bad for you, perhaps it will be good for another person. As we said earlier, depending on your culture, on your memories, on your etc. Some people, will, uh, all people won't react in the same way on a, on a smell. So saying that uh, an odor is good and bad, it's something because we are uh, developing a product for consumers. So if consumer doesn't like the, the smell, you will have a, a problem by uh, selling it. But this is subjective. So when we uh, compare a product, we try to describe the order without telling if it's good or bad or etc because this is very uh, personal and subjective and so it doesn't mean really something bad or good order it's bad to me or but it's it's very personal yeah and that makes it incredibly difficult but as you said to kind of categorize anything you know as as positive or negative it's just individualistic it you know it just depends from person to person now we you know we've talked about where odors can come from we talked about how people perceive them and even categorize them with with the odor sphere but i think the you know obviously the important thing is being able to test for odors and so how do we test for odor and how do we make it more objective versus subjective which we we just mentioned is is a big challenge yes this is the key and <laughs> this is the challenge so how, how do we test odor so this is 
challenge we, we, we face. We have two, two different ways and we make them in parallel because we use uh, both of them. First, as I explained earlier, that a smell is a volatile chemical compound. So this is a, the origin of a smell. It doesn't mean that all volatile compounds have a smell, but a, an odor, a smell, is a volatile compound. And uh, we have analytical ways to measure them. So we can um, we can do analytical tests and ana analytical techniques. You will take a sample, whatever the sample is, say it's an adhesive, a diaper, or whatever you want, and you will do a protocol to create volatile. So perhaps you will heat a little bit your sample to make volatile out of your sample. Then you will collect the chemicals that were out of your product, so in the air. And then this hair, this quantity, will be analyzed through uh, GCMS, for example, or other analytical uh, techniques. And we will uh, be able to quantify which chemicals is present and at uh, which uh, quantity. And so with that, we will have a kind of chemical uh, identity or description of your sample. You will be able to say this chemical is present and it's very at high concentration, this uh, lower concentration, etc. So it will give you a kind of overview of the chemicals, volatile chemicals uh, present in your sample. So this is the first part. The second part is more linked to human. We, we use a sensory panels. So what is it? We have some people within Bostik that are trained to recognize and to identify odors with the words and the language that I just explained earlier. So you will make your sample blind so that the panel won't see the sample, only smell the sample. And you will uh, make the panel smell uh, your sample and describe the odor of the sample in terms of quality, but also in terms of intensity. Is it easy to, to capture the odor or should I really smell very carefully to perhaps smell something? And this sensory uh, panel will give uh, another uh, and a complementary description of the odor. And with these two uh, very different, different ways of uh, measuring and evaluating the odor, we can have very good description of odor and comparison between samples or uh, between two different uh, odors. So this is the two, the two protocols that we routinely uh, use uh, within Bustic. Yeah, and the, the sensory panels that you described, I think, are probably one of the things I find most interesting at Bostic. I've never partaken in one, but I just think it's a, it's a really cool thing that we do. And, and I know you're a part of them, but yeah, they, yeah. You know, we're, it's kind of demanding because you're, it, is it what, once a month you need to go in and stay up to date on smelling things so that you can oh, yeah, it's keep... more than Yeah, it's more than once a month. We try to do it uh, each week. So each week we smell a known odor. For example, I took the example of uh, Bainan, but so um, this smell is pining. Ah, okay, and you remember. And this smell is this one, etc. And you you train your your brain to be sure that what you think it is, it's still accurate. It's a kind of calibration, but on your nose and on your um, capacity to recognize uh, the odor. So we try to do it each week in order to to keep up to date. <laughs> 
That, yeah, that's that's uh, that's crazy. <laughs> but it's I like you said, it it, it really like it, we're calibrating, you know, our, our yeah. teams are, are calibrating themselves. And that I think that gives us a very high level of, of expertise and, and a very valid opinion when it comes to odor. And, and obviously, I think that's why that's one of the big services that we can offer to customers is being able to really identify or pin down a specific smell um, or odor to uh, figure out what's causing an Odor in a product or in a, a batch of products. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, it's something that we recently uh, perform in uh, in our labs in uh, in America, in Europe, also in Asia. We are quite a, a, a small team, but efficient team to be to be trained to to this specific testing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we, we've touched on this a little bit already, but I want to dive into some of the producer challenges um, or article producers and supplier challenges. So what challenges are there for article producers and suppliers when it comes to odor? There are a lot of challenges. As I said, the testing method is, a, is not an easy one. It is a combination of an analytical technique and um, a sensory panel, which is not so easy to, to handle uh, together. So this thing, testing method is, a, is one of the, of the challenge. We spoke about uh, a lot about that, but regional differences make it not easy to handle because a, a perception in, in Europe can be different in Asia or can be different in, in Americas. So regional differences regarding odor is, is it's not easy to handle uh, subjectivity, perception. So all of this makes the order a parameter of the product, but not equivalent to, to other parameters, more, I would say, physical and more easily measurable uh, parameters. That sounds really complicated. <laughs> it is. <laughs> but this is science, so it's exciting too. Yeah. So with it being so complicated, how can we make it sim as simple as possible? I would say we make it as uh, simple as possible because we have the expertise. So for customer and consumer, it will be easy because we will take the, the complexity. So we, when we have uh, another topic, another issue, we, we try to, to find the, the, the root cause. We try to really understand consumer needs to be able to, to answer correctly to, to the expectations of consumer and customer. So with the expertise we have, with the analytical labs, we have dedicated analytical uh, teams uh, that help us a lot uh, on this. So with all the capacity and facilities we have uh, within Bostik, we can make it easier. Yeah, not to uh, promote ourselves too much, but yeah, as I said, this is one of the areas that I think we we pride ourselves on that maybe a lot of people don't know about. And we have a lot of expertise across all the regions to really support in the area of odor, not just figuring out where odor is coming from, which, you know, as you said, with our with our team of odor experts, we can definitely do, but also just training on the science of odor, as we've done, as we touched a little bit on here with the odor sphere and some of the perceptions and things like that, but we're certainly able to do a much deeper dive into the training around odor and even helping customers do their own odor panels internally and getting them set up for those is, is something else we can do. So a lot of expertise around odor that Bostic has to share, and we are obviously willing to, to share that with our customers and help them on their, their journey to either getting to a place with odor that they want to be or, or eliminating odor entirely. Yeah, we can we can help to do to do both to to reduce the order, to understand the order, to reduce it or uh, to remove it. So well, whatever the market needs and whatever the customer needs or consumer needs also, and we can help on all these steps. Absolutely. 
Well, Lorianne, thank you so much for joining today. I really appreciate it. I like I said, I definitely learned a couple of new things, which is great <laughs> given given all the experience I have around our odor and the content that we're creating. But thank you so much for joining us. And it was a, it was a thank you. Yeah, it's a pleasure having you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We've got some great episodes coming on the future of the hygiene market and the ever-evolving and popular trend of sustainability. If you'd like to learn more about the topic of odor and disposable hygiene or the Bostic Odor Sphere, check out the links to our odor content in the show notes. Bostic also offers trainings on the basics of odor and odor measurement and odor testing support. If you'd like to learn more about our training and testing, check out the links in the show notes. Attached to Hygiene is brought to you by Bostic and is hosted by me, Jack Hughes. It is produced and edited by me with the help of Paul Andrews, Michelle Tonkovitz, and Green Onion Creative. Our theme music is by Jonathan Boyle. You can follow Bostic for more hygiene industry insights on LinkedIn at Disposable Hygiene Adhesives. Or email us with questions, comments, or ideas for future episodes at hygiene at bostic.com. That's H-Y-G-I-E-N-E at Bostic.com. We'd also like to extend a special thank you to our guest, Lorianne Liberlesso. You can find Lorianne on LinkedIn, or you can feel free to address any emails to her directly at her email address, which we included in the show notes. If you like what you heard today, please subscribe to the podcast, rate and review the show, and share us with a friend or colleague. You can find Attached to Hygiene wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.